0: On a field trip, so that's where the, those folks are. I, I want us to congregate as a congregation. So if we can not be so far apart and be this close together, I think that would be a good thing. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm always afraid to ask that question because then I'm afraid that no one will move and then I'm really in trouble. We are attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's say it one more time. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's our privilege to have Dr. J. Ott as the preacher of the evening. He will help us hear God's word. So I want us to start with a a scripture of praise, a couple of songs of praise, and we'll continue our worship through the preaching. So stand and let's read that scripture together. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world, that we might be holy and blameless before God. Standing for prayer.
1: Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we have come here tonight to worship you, to see you as you truly are, so that we may become reflections of you. And Father, this is our confidence that you are here, that you have given to us your Holy Spirit and you have given us your word, which are the tools, all the tools that we need to fulfill that aim, that purpose, that desire of our hearts, that you should be resurrected within us. And so we bow before you, expecting, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us and in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's a commercial that I have seen recently on the television. You may have seen it also. Uh, It is a surgeon and his patient, and they're talking on the telephone. And the patient has a kitchen knife, and the surgeon says... Now make a three-inch incision between the third and the fourth rib. And the camera pans to this patient with this great uncertain look upon his face. The point of the commercial is that one of the most ludicrous actions that we can imagine is anyone doing surgery on themselves and it is just as ludicrous to think that anyone would make their own financial investment decisions. Doing surgery on ourselves. Unthinkable, isn't it? Or is it? The passage that we're going to look at tonight seems to be telling us that this is the very action that is normal even essential for the Christian life. That passage is Matthew 5 27 through 30. Most of us will recognize Matthew 5 as what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. The primary focus of this entire extended sermon could be expressed as if we indeed desire to attain to the whole measure of Jesus Christ, then our faith must exceed And throughout this sermon, Jesus gives us prescriptions that answer or continue this statement. And these prescriptions are seen as essential conditions of achieving our goal of total Christ-likeness. Let's read the prescription that is in this passage, Matthew 5. 27 through 30. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right hand causes you to sin, excuse me, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, this has always been a troubling passage to me. And I imagine that it is probably troubling for any of us, any believers, who want to take seriously the commands of God. Jesus Christ. I was first drawn to this passage, or I can first remember being drawn to this passage when I was a teenager. And that time that that I read it for the first time that I can remember, I really struggled to understand it. After all, as a typical teenage boy, my right eye was constantly offending me as the King James says. Now this immediately creates a problem for me in terms of how am I going to interpret and apply this passage, this command in my life? And so I set about to try to understand the passage and I went to the commentaries and to my great relief I found that that all of those commentaries told me that this is not a passage that we are to take literally. It is a figurative passage. God would not expect us to gouge out our eye or to lop off our hand. And yet, I was still troubled by this, because I discovered that there is a danger in taking this passage completely figuratively, because if we do so, I found in essence it loses its meaning. There is no hope for us in the face of sin and temptation. The best that we can hope for is that we would limp along and occasionally we would stand fast against sin, but inevitably we would be overcome and defeated. And I desperately needed a greater hope from God in dealing with sin and temptation. And so I can remember praying, God, help me to understand this passage. There has to be more that you intended for us in this Word. And years later, God answered that prayer for me and gave me insight, I believe, into the spiritual principles that lie behind the command. The insight came in regards to the statement, if your right eye causes you to sin. One day I was reading this passage for the umpteenth time, and I believe God led me to ask the question, what is the real source of sin? And I concluded it is not the eye. It's not the hand. These are merely instruments through which sin is manifested. This truth is illustrated in Matthew fifteen seventeen through 20, which says, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. The implication of this truth for our passage is that I may gouge out my eye, but would that in itself eliminate lust in my life? No. As a matter of fact, I may gouge out both my eyes and I would still be plagued with lust. I may cut off both of my hands and I would still be plagued with the sins and temptation of covetousness of stealing. Why? because the source of sin is not in the eye, it's not in the hand, it's not in any other physical appendage of the body. The source of sin is the heart. That rebellious nature that abides in the unsanctified and the fleshly humanity that remains through which sin provides the opportunity of temptation, even in those who are saved and sanctified. The problem is the heart. So what are we to conclude regarding the true meaning and application of this command? It is simply this. Sin and temptation are ravaging diseases that must be dealt with through the most drastic measures. They are spiritual gangrene. Even the slightest spot is life-threatening because diseased flesh Infects healthy flesh until the whole body is rotted. The only cure to such disease is immediate amputation of the source of the infection. The command is simply this, we must be willing to immediately and totally remove from our lives the source through which temptation leads us into disobedience. The illustration that Jesus Christ refers to and uses in this passage is that of adultery. In our culture, that would be relevant to the issue of online pornography which experts tell us that 50% of the male population in America, including those in ministry, struggle with. And it is even becoming a problem among the female population. And the command to us would be exercised through such things as switching our ISP to a filtered program or confessing our struggle, confessing the problem to our spouse or to a Christian brother or sister and asking them regularly to view the websites that we have been visiting. Or, we could take our computer, our laptop, and put it in a more public position. Or, we could even be more drastic and we could eliminate our personal online account. So that all we had access to was a public one. These are the types of operations that Jesus Christ is commanding us to do. These are the eyes, these are the hands that must be dealt with. Another illustration, it's not only adultery, but it would be any issue of sin and temptation. Another illustration would be gossip. If we were to take the command of Christ in this passage seriously, and this were a struggle in our life, It would mean that we would have to end that any relationship that presented the opportunity for us to participate in that kind of action. Any and every measure necessary to completely cut off the disease, the infection. That's the message. The key is that when it comes to temptation and sin, our attitude and action is to be that nothing short of complete and immediate amputation is acceptable. The problem is that though it is black, pus-filled, and reeks of the worst stench imaginable. We have a tendency to look only at the good that comes to us through these appendages. To think only of the great sacrifices that we would have to make if we took this command seriously. Under such conditions it seems to us that the most horrid fate would be to live apart from this indispensable appendage. We can't live without it. How could we ever do so? As a result, we have a tendency to nurse the infected area along. Confident that we can control the infection Determined that we can save the limb through heroic measures. Lying to ourselves that it's not as bad as it looks. The worst part about it is that if we wait long enough to take the required measures, the infection will spread to the rest of the body. Until this hand looks like this hand looks like our leg, looks like our torso, looks like our head. And we come to the point eventually where diseased and rotted flesh begins to look normal and healthy. So what is the primary message Jesus conveys to us in this command? It is simply this. We live in a gangrenous culture in which the dead and decaying is portrayed as the living and life-giving. As we who are believers move in and among this rotting world, we come into contact with its infested flesh and spirit. And we cannot help but have that infection rub off at different points, in different ways. The message of the command is this, it is time for surgery. God has given us the scalpel. It is His Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit to divide even to the soul and the spirit so that any infection can be laid bare. This is the operating room. The altar upon which Jesus Christ sacrificed his own life that we may be healed and perfected. We are the surgeons, we are the only ones who may do this operation. We have a great physician who will be there when the infection is amputated to oversee the healing process. But He will not do the operation for us. He has given to us the tools and the instruments that are necessary. But it is, it must be our decision will the infection remain or will we rid our bodies of it? And that is not a decision that he can or will make for us. Our quest to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, always, leads under the knife. As Chaplain like leads us in a closing chorus, will you listen to the diagnosis of the living word? Is there some operation that must be accomplished in your life? Is there some infestation that must be gouged out? Is there some disease that must be lopped off? If there is, know that the great physician waits to pour his healing balm upon the wound once we have responded appropriately, faithfully, to his command. I ask that just a a few who know these students and are friends with them would come and and pray with them this time. Would you join me in prayer? (coughs) Heavenly Father, Do not give us these difficult commands of your word in order to discourage us or to create a a salvation that is impossible for us. But because you understand us, you know that, that we live in a world in which it is comfortable It is easy to become comfortable with the diseases that that infect the world around us. And you also know That if we are to have a testimony, if, if Christ is to have a testimony in this world, to His genuine power, then it is necessary for your people to deal with these issues. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ must be proven in our lives. And in order to do so, we must be willing to go under that knife to have the very deepest parts of our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, exposed to the truth of Your Word. And we must have a total commitment amputate any sign of infection completely immediately. Father, we desire revival, we we desire an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon your church, upon your your people. Father, we we desire an outpouring of, of your Spirit upon our world in holiness and righteousness. But it must begin here with your people. With a desire for that holiness to live completely and totally within us, without compromise. Father, may you take not only this command, but the promise, the hope, that lies within it. There is deliverance, there is freedom, there is healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, may we live each and every day as testimonies to the faithfulness of Your Word. In Christ's name we pray.